Hallelujah. I believe, I believe it's a good time to be debt free. So I think what we should do is everybody should call up a lawyer this week and we should all file for bankruptcy. And we'll be, we'll be debt free, right? You know, it's an interesting subject. Um, even in, in my own life, I've seen my mother do that. My mother took all of her money from an investment in her house and everything, and she put it into a property, and she was like, I'm going to be debt-free. And she was debt-free, but the problem was she didn't have a job. And there were struggles there. Even though she was debt-free, the income, you still need to pay taxes, you still need money for food, you still need money for things. So it's one thing to be debt-free, but the bigger thing that we really want is we want more than enough. Debt-free is good, but more than enough is better. Debt-free is good, but more than enough is better. See, I feel like kind of the last push of the enemy is keeping us debt in debt. I feel like it's kind of like the Egyptians where they took the Israelites and they made them slaves. It says in there, it says the king saw that they grew in numbers. And he said, what shall we do with all these Israelites that are growing in numbers and gaining power? They're so smart, they can do everything so well. What shall we do with them? And he says, I know, we'll make them work more. Now, they're children of God. They came into that land as children of God. You're a child of God. And I believe the enemy's still saying the same thing today. They're growing in numbers. Let's make them work more. Let's keep them holy hush because they're too busy working. Let's not let them do their gifts, their callings. Let's not let them walk in their anointings. Let's not let them have their mantles. Let's destroy their families because they're busy working to pay off debts. That's the attack of the enemy. You know, Peter, Peter was sitting there and he was coming in and, and Jesus says, do you have any fish? And Peter's like, no, I've been working. I've been working, Lord. I've been working my job. Nine to five, my boss don't give me a raise. He don't give me the cheddar I need. I've been working, but I haven't caught any fish. Sometimes we do that. We, we say, well, I've been working, but I'm, I haven't seen being debt free yet. I've been trying, but my car breaks. I got to pay for this. I got to pay for that. But then the Lord said, well, don't give up. Just throw it right there. We all know the story. More than enough came in, right? Well, what happened after that? He changed his life. He could do more with his life at that point in time. We know he went into the ministry. I think what Peter did was he took all those fish, made all the money, he bought off all the boats, paid all the debtors, paid off the nets. Maybe he even worked some contracts with some of the other fishermen and said, use my boats, use my nets, give me a portion of the increase. What would that look like if that was your life? You had money coming in, debt free, you could go walk with Jesus. More than enough. That money is starting seed for more than enough for you. More than enough. You know, that's God's grace. 
Abraham's working on, Peter was working all this time, probably frustrated with his life, frustrated he's got to come in, no fish. Oh, I got that bill. Oh, my family's going to be hungry. My daughter wants a new pair of shoes. Stroking that boat in. What am I going to do? But the Lord sees him and says, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't come in yet. Don't give up yet. Don't quit yet. Now. I believe this season is now for the church to be debt free. I believe this is the season that we walk through. The first song I was talking about, we're walking through the, the seeds. So, you know, I think this is the season that we walk through. We come out of that land. Remember when they came out of the land? They had gold, servants. They had all the abundance of everything that they lost for all of those years. Well, what would your life look like if you had all that you've lost? All that you've lost. Well, let me ask you this. Did you get a car when you were 16? Did your parents have enough money? Maybe not because they lost. They couldn't buy you a car because they didn't have the money because they lost. Because they were busy working, because they were busy being slaves. Well, what would your life look like if you were coming out of Egypt with everything you were owed and more, more than enough? What would your week look like? What would your family look like? What would your relationships with your family look like? Be a good time at Christmas. More than enough. That's God's grace for us. And again, I say, I believe it's the time for the church. And I'm not going to say come up here and give an offering. It's not based on you giving an offering so that the Lord could bless you back. As if God's got his hands tied and can't do, doesn't know where you are. Did Peter come in and bless the Lord with a little meal or something? And then Jesus said, oh, thank you for the meal. Now, since you did that, go back out fishing. Some people like take offerings. I've given to an offering before. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to give $5.58 because it's the, the word of the Lord this year for that. And I give. And then, all right, well, this week I didn't become debt-free. Next week I didn't become debt-free. And then so then I'm starting to say, well, did, am I sinning? Is there sin? Is there sin in my wife? My wife, she looks, she looks a little sketchy sometimes. You sinning? Got to check her. Am I not doing good enough by you? Am I not reading enough? Am I not, did I not give enough? Did I not give out of the right heart? Did I not have enough faith? Am I being held up not having all my debts paid because I don't have enough faith, Lord? Is it on me to like work? All right, well, now I need to read all faith scriptures. I want to be debt free. I got to read. I got to read. I got to read. I got to get, I got to get it in me to get mine. Man, that sounds like work. You know what also sounds like work? Following the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Man, I'd be, I promise, I know, I know if, if I was supposed to do a test and you would ask me all the Ten Commandments, I couldn't tell them all to you. I'm not that good at following the rules, yet alone the Ten Commandments. And Jesus actually even made it a little bit harder on us. He said, don't worry about the Ten Commandments. He said, just follow these two. He said, love the Lord God with all 
your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And if that wasn't enough, then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, and love your neighbor just as yourself. That's harder than the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Give me the first one, Lord. Give me the first one. I know not to kill, you know. I can beat the guy up. I just can't kill him. I know not to steal. I know. But man, that second one, it, it was, it was, it's hard for me. Love the Lord God with all. If, if, this was a, if this was my heart, big heart. If this was my heart, and I, all of this was filled with the love of the Lord, and this is my soul, and it's all filled with the love of the Lord. And this is my mind, and it's all filled with the love of the Lord. And this is my strength, and it's all filled with the love of the Lord. Well, then when I'm watching a football game, how much of those four is filled with the Lord? If I'm driving around looking at architectural stuff, how much of that's all filled with the Lord? A little strange sometimes when you put it into reality. My life, all right? Well, how can, I, how can I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, all the time? Can you do it? Have you done it? Have you ever tried? They're like, I'm going to do it all day today. Okay, 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 here I go, here I go, here I go. What about love your neighbor? Am I supposed to mow his yard? Am I supposed to paint his house? Am I supposed to feed him steak? I love myself. If, if somebody would do that for me, if you mow my yard, paint my house, give me steak, I'd say, wow, that guy loves me. <laughs> that guy loves me a lot. Well, am, I, am I supposed to do that? I mean, is that what the scripture means? And here's what I've realized about grace and this message and why we can believe to be debt-free and why we can believe possibilities and stuff. Because I saw that, those two scriptures there, back in the garden. Let me introduce the story. Jesus comes in. He's like, God comes in. He's talking. He's like, hey, hey, Adam, Adam, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? What's going on? We know the story. It progresses a little bit. He ate the apple. And then God speaks to the serpent, and he says something very quick, very small, but big. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and her seed. You will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. Simple. We've heard it a lot. Think about this, grace. Think about love, grace, and God. The Lord says, love me with all of your heart all of your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor. The only reason he can even ask us to do that is because he did that for us in the garden. See, at the moment when he was replenishing Adam, he said, I'm going to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and I'm never going to be separated from you again. If you were to do something for yourself, wouldn't you make it that you would be right all the time. You'd never have to worry about sin again. You'd never have to worry about having separation between your son. And that's what God did. He basically made it to the perfect situation. He says, no longer there'll be death. In the same sentence that he said, I'm going to put enmity between you and him, he said, Adam, you're going to live forever. 
You see that? Remember when Jesus comes back and Jesus says, I've come to save the lost? The only reason he could say that is because God said, I loved Adam. I loved man. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he was able to do that in the garden for us. But we've suffered this, this illusion of the Ten Commandments and grace. We've suffered because, remember the Pharisees? The Pharisees go in and they say, well, uh, this man is blind. Who sinned, his father or him? We always think about our sin and following the Ten Commandments. But all that's been wiped away. In that moment, God said, I love you. My grace is for you. Nothing that you'll ever do again will ever fall from you. So when you mess up in business, maybe you spent too much money for something, my grace is there for you. There's another opportunity there for you. You're not missing it. You're not out of the will of the Lord. I had this, uh, this happen with my son the other day. My son uh, cussed. My son's eight years old. He cussed. And God was trying to show me grace. And my son cussed. And um, I thought to myself, I know about cussing. I'm kind of old. I've heard a cuss word or two. And my son's eight years old. And I knew he was going to hear a cuss word sooner or later. But I never really talked to him about it. And so he cussed. And I was like, oh. There it is. I knew this was going to happen. And, that's, and I didn't yell at him. I didn't scold him. I didn't say anything. I said, you probably don't want to use that word. Probably not the best one to describe the situation. <laughs> and, and looking at that, think about that with the garden. God sees Adam and he, said, he bit into the apple and he says, you probably, we probably don't want to do that again. We probably don't want to sin. So he took care of it. See, that's what I'm trying to say, is, is you know things that your kids are going to go through that they don't even know about. And God knew about sin before, before Adam ever got there and experienced it. God knew. That's why God said, don't eat of the apple, because he knew what was going to happen. But then as soon as it happened, he dealt with it. And he did, like for me, I say, I've got to say, well, you probably, don't want to, you probably don't want to do that again. Well, with God, he says, you will never do that again. That will never be a hindrance to you again. Sin will never separate you from me again. Because he loved us with his whole heart, his whole soul, his whole mind, his whole strength. I'm old school, I got paper. You know, I call it the PP. You have the, um, the prophet, and the prophet married the prostitute. The prostitute kept going back and kept going back, and the prophet would go down, and he would go, and he'd get her, and he'd bring her back, and he'd clean her up, and he would tell her, you're worthy, you're mine, you're, you're better than this, and she would go back, and he would go back, and he would get her. And I feel like that's, my life sometimes. I feel like I'm, I'm always going back to sin. No, I'm born again. No, I'm complete in the Lord. No, I'm great in him. And I keep going back. 
I keep doubting his love. I keep doubting everything. And he keeps coming to me and saying, grace. My grace is for you. When, when a father sees his son committing a sin, let's do this. Can I get real? Let me get really in your lunch here. Your Kool-Aid, your chicken. This is a hypothetical scenario, but it's not going to sound like it. If I were to tell you that Pastor Lawrence has been stealing from the church, what would you want to do with him? Kick him out? <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Pastor steals from you. Your tithe, your money. Well, some of you, you know. I'd throw that in there. What if he, what if he stole? What are you thinking right now? I've heard this before. Pastors are no good. All they want is our money. That's why I don't tithe. What? That's what you think? Restore? But he stole. Grace. Well, what would grace look like then to him? Let me ask you this. If you were to just keep him his job and say, hey, don't do it again, is that Grace. What if you got together and said, hey, listen, we know you stole. And we're going to take the responsibility of knowing that you stole because we didn't pay you enough money and we're going to give you more money. Now, is that grace? Didn't God do that in the garden? Adam sinned. He says, I know that you sin, but now that I know that you sin, I'm going to give you more everlasting life. It'll never happen again, no matter what you do. Even if you sin, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you more. He took on the full responsibility. If you were to take on the full responsibility of his stealing from the church and say, we're going to give you more money now, that's grace. I got an example of it in the Bible. Biblical. What about the prodigal son? We know this story well. I'm going to say this. The prodigal son did not hoodwink the father into getting his money. I believe the father was a good father. I believe the father taught his son how to have a business. I believe the father believed in the son. I believe the father wanted him to succeed. I believe he gave him that money because he says, man, I see it in you. I see good things in you. I see you've learned, you've, you've grown, you've increased the things around here, and I think you could do it out there. I think the father and the son both had good intentions. Just my view. Son went out, got bad friends, yada, 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 lost all the money. Soon as he came back to the father, the father gave him a ring, Right? That ring symbolized, I trust you with my money. That's grace. I trust you with all of my money. That's grace. Did the father know that he was going to fall or sin or that he was going to lose all the money? Maybe, maybe he had that idea. Let me ask you this. Does your father, God, know that you might sin, fall away, have something happen? grace. 
Remember Abraham? Abraham's life was kind of radical. Uh, my wife would never put up with this, but Abraham's like, oh, yeah, that's my sister. And he got paid a lot of money for saying that. So he lied. It's kind of a sin. Yeah, no, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe some people might not. He got paid for lying. That's greed. Get paid for lying. His wife was not happy with him. And he got paid. Now, here's the thing you'd have to say about Abraham. Yeah, but, you know, um, sometimes we, we, can, we can accept sin or stuff that happens when it happens to us. So, you know, uh, someone comes in and, and they harm you and you beat them up or something. And you're like, ah, I beat them up, but it's okay because they harmed me. You know, like they did something first. They attacked me first or they were vicious about me on Facebook. And so I, I let them have it. You know, it's like you were forced in that scenario. But Abraham did it, and then he did it twice. Twice. Even God, when he was talking to him, he said, he says, I'm going to have you go over here. Don't take anything. Don't take any family. And, of course, then he takes a family member. He sinned again. Abraham's full of sin. The blessing of God comes to him on the land that God wants to give him, and he gives the land away. This guy's messed up. How many of you have given the blessing of God away? Blessing of God comes, and then you're like, oh, there's the blessing, and then you give it away. Interesting scenario. The Lord comes back, and the Lord says, no, no, all of it's going to be yours. He never said anything about his sin. He never said anything about the situation, anything that is wrongdoing or any of those things. He says, all of this is yours, Abraham. But see, that was before the law. You're no longer under the law anymore, but we still live that way. We still live with the thought of, you can't bless me, you can't have me be debt-free, you can't increase me because I've sinned. Because we don't understand this thing about this love. We don't understand what happened in the garden. We don't understand when he says, I declare my grace over you. We don't understand this. Remember when they were mad at Jesus because he, he healed man? He says, well, what's easier, to forgive a man of his sins or to tell him that he's healed? Which is easier? Let me ask you this. Are you sick? Which is easier, for you to become saved or to become healed? Which is easier? Was it easy for you to become saved? Born again? Probably my baby. Well, then why is it so hard for us to be sick in our bodies? Why is it so hard for us to receive grace for that healing? Why is it so hard? Because we feel like we deserve it. We feel like we deserve it, like with the blind man when he said, well, who sinned for this blind man to become blind? Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus didn't say that sin wasn't the issue of the healing that needed to take place. 
He didn't say that. He didn't say, no, this is not because of sin. He did not say that. So I do believe that we do get things because of sin. But let me ask you this. Can you not ask for forgiveness? Remember the prayer where he says, uh, forgive those who trespass against you? Forgiveness, forgiveness. Who's suffering right now with, with needing a healing? Who needs a healing? Right now, in your body, you need a touch from God. Nobody? Everybody's healed? Amen. You need a healing? All right, come on up. Come on up. You don't want to come up? Okay. I'll pray for you there. How are you? Thank you, Lord. I just declare by the love of the Lord, His grace, that you're healed. Not because of your love for Him, because of His great love for you. I just declare. That you're in you. He adores you. Oh, there's no mistake. There's no mistake of how much I love you. You are my delight and my wonder. You are my eyes and my joy. Oh, wonderful, wonderful are you. you ask to be saved from your body? The Lord knew that sickness was going to come to earth. And he didn't say, live my ten commandments so that you never become sick. never want you to be sick, so I'm going to give you all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength, so that you will not suffer, your child will not suffer. Grace. It's the grace of the Lord. the grace 
that somebody wrongs you. It's the grace when you want more and don't have more. It's the grace when you want to be loved and he loves you. The Lord knew all of this was going to happen. I believe the one scripture that the Lord gave me for this church is Acts 6, 8. It says, now Stephen, full of grace and power, went around doing great wonders and signs among the people. I felt like he was saying that is this. This is this church. It's like now NCC was full of grace and power and did great wonders and signs among the people in Tifton, in Valdosta, in Georgia, in the United States, in other countries. Now, Pastor Lawrence is full of grace and power to do great wonders and signs among the people in the church, in Tifton, in Georgia, in other countries. Now you, put your name in there because I only know three of you, are full of grace and power to do great signs and wonders here in this house, there in your house, here in this community, there, everywhere, everywhere you go, you are full of grace. You are full of grace. You are full of grace. When the guy cuts you off the road, you're full of grace. It doesn't matter. When you don't get the raise, it doesn't matter. You're full of grace and gracious to that person. The Lord still knows. The Lord's still ready to bless you. When your child does something that you think should be scolded, I, I think this is a very hard thing. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I told the Lord I, with this grace message, I said, you're just so good to me, God, and I don't understand it. I sin and you love me. I sin and you bless me. I sin and you are still for me. You still talk to me. We, we get real hung up on sin. Don't you think it's interesting how he says the gifts and callings will never leave you? Well, don't you think that if sin were to take anything away, it would take away a gifting and a calling? We're real hung up on law and what we think. We love judging people, what we think they should say or do or how they should say or do it. We love putting people under the law. And we love putting ourselves under the law. But what if NCC became the house known as the, the ministry of grace? What would it look like? What would it look like if your neighbor stole from you and you went over and they said, man, I realize you stole my lawnmower, so I'm going to give you my lawnmower, my weed eater, my blower, and $100 for gas. Does that look like grace? 
How would you feel if I came over and I gave, you stole my lawnmower and I gave you my weed eater, my blower, my, and everything, and then I had my kid mow, mow your yard for you? How would it make you feel? It'd make you feel good and bad. Grace. That's how we got saved, grace. How did we forget the greatest moment of our lives? Grace. I did nothing. Listen, I was overdosing on coke. My, blood, my, my nose was all bloody. And I heard this voice, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. I said, Lord, if you're real, I want to live for you. And I went to sleep. Next morning, woke up, had a little bit more coke, started doing the coke, watching cartoons, eating some cereal. Felt the Lord say, did you mean what you said last night? Like, yeah, 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 I did. He said, pack up. Don't tell anybody where you're going. In the moment that I've got blood in my nose, getting ready to die, what did I offer the Lord that was so great? What righteousness, what good thing, what was so meaningful that he said, my grace for you, my love for you, my greatness for you. What did I, what did I do? Let me ask you this, great question. Before you were born again, did you ever help somebody? Did you ever help somebody change a tire, or do something nice for somebody? Before you were born again, did you ever do something nice? Well, then let me ask you this. After you were born again, did you ever do something bad? Okay, so doing the nice thing before you were born again, it didn't make you born again, did it? So then how does doing the bad thing when you're, after you're born again make you a sinner? You see how fickle we are? We don't even know. And that's, that's where the prodigal is so wonderful. He was a son, did the wrong thing, still got blessed. Let me declare this over you. Your son, maybe you've done the wrong thing, you're still going to be blessed. Not in heaven someday by and by. Today. Now, I believe this about you. I believe the Lord said, fan the fire within my people. I think you're already there. You just need to be pushed over the edge a little bit to do a little bit more. Do a little bit more for your community, giving people grace. I have, I've had people work for me. They've, they've, they've hawked, they've uh, pawned, you know, $5,000 with my tools and stuff like that. I go, I get stuff. And then they call me. Hey, can I get a job again? Okay. Why? Because I know the reason they did that to me was because they were hurting. Because they needed money. Maybe I wasn't paying them enough. Maybe if I was paying them more. And you say, man, I can't believe you take all that kind of pressure on. Well, let me ask you this. What kind of pressure? What kind of thing do you think the Lord did for you? You ever made a business failure? You ever think about it? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. 
Have you ever lost $100,000 in a month? Stock market? 100000 one month? No? Man, I beat myself up for a long time over that one. Guess what? I still trade the stock market. God's grace is for you, on you. And he wants you to give that grace to others. A friend of mine the other day was, we were talking and he was, um, he was saying there was, there was two girls there. And he said, the Lord spoke and they, they were kissing and, you know, doing stuff. And he said, he, he, the Lord said, one of those girls is not that way, but her friend's pulling her in because she's been hurt before. And I thought, man, isn't that God's grace? He didn't, he didn't condemn. He said, he said, boy, them girls are wrong. Boy, that's a bad sin. The Lord didn't say that. He said, they're disgusting. They're... The girls are still his daughters. He still made both of them. And he illuminated his love for the girl who was hurting and in sin. And he said he just felt like he just impressed to the girl and said, man, the Lord loves you. Have you ever had bad service at a restaurant? You're like, I ain't going to leave no tip. It ain't worth my $3. Have you ever had bad service and then gave a $100 bill? So man, I just, I just want to tell you, the Lord just, he adores you. That's grace. What an impact you can be on people around you. <laughs> you know, we, nobody needs to know that they're sinning. Everybody knows that they're sinning. Everybody needs to know that there's grace out there and things are okay. God's still on the throne. He ain't worried. He's still for you. He still loves you. He loves them. You know, evangelism, explosion, they used to have this thing, and it's called E. And uh, the, the first question they would say is, if you were to die today, and God would say, why should I let you into my heaven? Yeah, I don't like that. Such a question. Why, why should I let you? What makes you valuable? How about this? Yeah, glory to God. I'm glad you're alive. The Lord's ready for you with all of his benefits, all of his glory to bless you, to be for you. He's made you. He's ready for you. They got this new movie out and it says, it's, the girl says, I would rather stand with God and let the world judge me than stand with the world and let God judge me. Harsh message. Is that the way we believe? We believe that everything we're doing, God's judging us? Or do we believe everything we do, His grace is for us? Let grace reign in your lives. I love you. Appreciate your time. Why don't we stand together? And... Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stretch our hands forward towards Ben? How about that? And do like we always do with every minister that comes and blesses us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this gift. Langston, Casey, Bill, y'all come on up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, no longer a slave. That's a good song. Thank you, Lord, for the message this morning of grace. That we are no longer slaves to fear, to sin. Father, we just declare great grace over Ben and Liz and their family, over his business and the ministry. Lord, that in the months and the years to come, you will continue to open up those doors of instruction as it pertains to ministry. Lord, I just declare that he never gets sucked into the mentality that ministry and life and work has got to fit a certain mold, a certain shape. For you know the shape and the call that you placed on his life and you will direct his steps and you will show him how to balance this call that you have given him and Liz and their family. I just heard that real strong being that because you and I come from that ministry mindset and I just feel like the Lord said, I'm going to show you how to balance that out. It's not going to look the way that you necessarily think it's going to look or the way that others have told you it's going to look, but it's going to look the way that He wants it to look. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we declare blessings over everything He puts His hands to everything in his life, over his family, over his health, over Liz's health, over their family's health. I just declare that healing word over him and them in the name of Jesus. Because he loves you, not only does he heal you, but you guys will walk in that divine health in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, was it a blessing to you this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, listen, we want to be a blessing to Him, and just like we do, we do with everyone that comes in, we want to be a blessing uh, um, um, to them financially, uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically. So make sure you give Him a hug and love on them. And uh, the box in the back, we're going to designate as for the orphanage. That's right, for the orphanage. So we're going to designate that. But anything you want to give or bless towards them, towards that orphanage, towards the ministry, we're going to designate that box back there for them. And so just write, if you would, on your check or the envelope, just write Haiti, guest speaker Haiti, 
uh, and we'll make sure that they get that for that ministry. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word, the fresh manna that was deposited. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that that seed falls on good ground, that we would nourish that seed, we would feed that, we would water that seed, that we would meditate on that seed. Father, I thank you for great grace upon each and every one of us that have heard that, that it would go into us and that it would grow in a greater way. Father, let us be ambassadors of grace. Let us be the ministers that go into the world and present the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of condemnation. Not the ministry of judgment, but the ministry of reconciliation. That the good news is that we've been reconciled. We no longer have to live the way we've been living. Thank you, Lord. And we give you all the honor and all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, before we go, next week is Easter. And we're going to be doing something different on that Sunday. We're going to be doing something special. It's a surprise. I'm not going to tell you. But we do need some volunteers to help us get everything ready because it's going to be a pretty major thing that we're doing this week. So if you're interested in volunteering at any point during this week, I need some strong guys, I need some men, and we do need some ladies. So just get in contact with Pam at the church. Say, hey, I'd like to volunteer my time. Well, what are we volunteering for, Pastor? Just trust me. You'll be all right. We're going to do some something special for next week. So I wanted to invite you not only to come back, but to invite your friends and family because it's going to be a very unique and a very special thing that we're going to be doing to demonstrate the love of God to folks. Amen? Amen. Will you go, be blessed, and may the grace of the Lord be upon you.